<laughs> well, now, we call this the act of mating. But there are several other very important differences between human beings and animals that you should know about. G'day, how are ya? Um, welcome to episode number 51 of the Average Man Podcast. It's Sunday the 13th and yeah, I'm just doing a little pre-interview roundup before I get Nathan Grock in here. So I've got Nathan Grock coming in today, um, hence the reason I had Bad Touch uh, as the opening song. So this is called Bad Touch and the reason I got that track on the front was because uh, I was looking at Nathan Grock who's been on here before. He's just recently got back from a trip in Europe doing a bunch of Ironman and triathlon events. Um, and so I looked up Euro Trip for the opening soundtrack to see what would come up with. And um, yeah, that was a movie from the early 2000s and The Bad Touch by the Bloodhound Gang was on that soundtrack. So as soon as I saw Bloodhound Gang, I was like, yep, done, I'm sold. I used to, um, I was all about the Bloodhound Gang back in the day, uh, late 90s, early 2000s. Um, I'll do the shout outs now. And then wrap it up and then, yeah, Nathan should be here and we'll jump straight into the podcast. So shout-outs, as always, go to Two-Way Hire Services. Two-Way Hire Services are your family-owned and operated two-way radio supplier and they ship throughout WA. They're a Perth-based company, but they ship all the way up here as well. So get hold of those guys if you need a, a new two-way radio or if you're hiring for an event or anything like that as well. They can they hook, you up, hook you up and sort you out. Shout-out to Carlos, Catch by Carlos, as always, as well. Carlos is down south um, exploring the southwest at the moment, taking a bunch of mint shots and little videos and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so I'm looking forward to seeing you know what he's been up to when he gets back and see if he's got any mint spots for us to check out over the, the Christmas break. Um, shout out as always to PCC Productions. PCC are the audio visual specialists up here in, in, um, in Headland so they look after all your live events, music events, Headland Cups, Marble Bar Cups. They do all those kind of, all that kind of stuff. Um, hiring out sound engineering um, equipment and technicians and, and helping with the setup and all that kind of, kind of gear too. Um, also shout out to Ironworks Gym Ironworks Gym um, are a functional fitness gym Over this side of town They're on Anderson Street in Port Hedland uh, Yeah they do your like plyometrics Their cardio kind of workouts um, 
sort of CrossFit style workouts. They got classes starting from six o'clock in the morning, going all the way through to six in the evening. Go, go, go! Um, check those guys out and support them. Also, uh, shout out to Pilper Adventure Riders. Shout out to Healthy Warriors. Shout out to Life and Soul and F Forty Five Gym, where I've been training down at the Life and Soul. There, um, I had a chat to, to Carly all from there recently. Big shout out to Jared Goyan, who just won his um, his Muay Thai fight recently. He was on the podcast uh, a few weeks back. It's five o'clock somewhere. Was the name of no, no, it wasn't him. Sorry. Uh, it was called, it was the Steel Panther song. Tomorrow night. No, tomorrow night. So go check that one out. He just won his fight, second round TKO a couple of nights ago. Um, yeah, so be shout out to all the people who have uh, been on the podcast and been supporting me, telling designs as well. Shout out to Natasha Brady over there. So, and uh, yeah, um, we're going to get into this, this bloody uh, podcast in, the, in a minute. And um, yeah, just see what Nathan's been up to and how he went over there in Europe and um yeah, we'll just have a quick yarn to him also about some of the local um, uh, and current events that have been going on in and around town and sort of on the world stage also, whatever's been happening in the last week. Have a bit of a yarn to Nathan about that when he's in too. So, yeah, that's enough from me for now. I'll um, just check out and check back in when, when old mate gets here and we'll go from there. All right, too easy. Speak to you very soon. Shouldn't be on you guys. I've hit record now. We're coming halfway in, halfway into a conversation here. But touching on that, I won't mention any names because, like you said, it's a small town. Yeah. There's someone around here I know who's a doctor that has diabetes. Yeah. And doesn't look after themselves at all, and they're sort of a, a reference point for that in town. And it's like, mate, if you can't even do it, look after yourself. How's how's everybody else going <laughs> to yeah. follow the rules? It's pretty major when they, especially if it's dietary. Um, uh, if you're able to control it with dietary, so so type two diabetes or whatever, you know. Yeah. Like, you just do the right things. My old boy's got type 2 diabetes. Yeah. And, yeah, he just he has to check his blood levels all the time. And, like you say, he has to eat the right kind of foods and at the right times. And, yeah, yeah if you don't look after yourself. It's else? quite easy to control as well. It's not something that um, you have to think about too much. It's, it's physically just eating, keeping your blood sugar and, high. And exercising, and, and yeah. Exercising, checking yeah. yourself. Yeah. You know, he likes beer. My old boy likes a beer and things like that. So... Um, that'd be the only thing that would throw him out, really, if he has too many drinks or wines sort of thing yeah. one one evening. He'll wake up the next day and check his bloods and knows, okay, he has to go for a big walk and like, you know, yeah. and, and and make sure he eats the right things that day. But basically, yeah, look after yourself. Yeah. Other people aren't going to do it for you because you can lose um, – they start losing uh, feeling in their extremities. That's yeah. why, you know, people lose um, like amputations from diabetes. I think what happens, the way my missus explained it, you probably would have heard of this as well, is that they start losing like feeling in the nerve endings, which would start in your fingers and your toes and things like that. Yeah. And then something will happen, say you're walking along and you cut your cut a foot up and you don't quite feel it or yeah. you don't realise the, ext- the extent of it. You don't look after that wound properly and then it doesn't get the right blood supply to heal and it just sort of rots away and then that kind of moves, you know, and, and it gets to the point where it's not going to fix itself or it's being infected for too long and they end up chopping feet off and fingers off and yeah, stuff right. like that. So you see so many people kicking around with missing fingers and like toes and all that kind of crap. Yeah. You know, it's obviously a big um, – diabetes in the Aboriginal community is, mad, is just mad. As well. is, I'm yeah. part Aboriginal as well. It's why the old boy's got it, you know. Yeah. Like yep. it's – we're predisposed to it. But something to do with, I guess, the, the European diet not being um, – of just sugar, yeah. <laughs> too much sugar it doesn't quite kick over well with the, um, yeah, with um, the Aboriginal people, eh? Because it's just rife in that community, yeah. And trying to teach them about it is um, full time, yeah, full time gig, yeah. You know, it's part of that whole bridge the gap thing. There's so many health little, little health um, concerns that we just take for granted in our general education and diet that a lot of them aren't getting, especially in the communities in that man, eh? Yeah, you know? well, even the, the nutritional guidelines. Um, 
being challenged at the moment there's a, a big challenge to go to like a higher fat or healthier fat uh, yep. and flipping the food pyramid on its head because the um, information that we've been given from the 50s 60s and 70s is completely out of date and yep. more so in line with something like the um, like the cigarette industry essentially it's you've got big business um, well that's what they reckon people from the sugar industry we're pumping money into like getting getting false information put out there via, right. via the journalists and, and stuff. Eh? saying that you know you got to stay away from high fat foods and you know a bit of sugar, refined sugar is not no, no good for you. And that's yeah. what our parents grew up on. Yeah, I try and tell them now that no, it's all right to eat olive oil and heaps of avocados and nuts and eggs and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You want to stay away from the refined sugars and and, and carbohydrates and things. That's it's not what they were taught. Remember that food pyramid? Yeah, is bread, cereal, yeah. you know, like cheese. Cheese is all right, but it depends if you can handle it or not. But it was, you know, upside down pasta. They were all down the down the bottom of it, hey. Yeah, and it's um it's promoted on the food packaging. There's a like the um heart heart health um the tick mm. mm-hmm. um the five star well yeah the five star food um ratings. Yep. You you have a look at a um like a Nutrigrain or cornflakes or something like that, and they might have a five star yeah. rating. And it's just sugar. Just garbage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or or you, you look at eggs, and they might have a, a one star rating, but because of full. the cholesterol. Yeah. So yeah. I think that the fats and and sugar and all that kind of conversation. I think that's one that the information seems to be getting across across the board fairly like uh, effectively. Yeah. Um, but the cholesterol in your food, the cholesterol intake, it, it seems to be one that's really tricky to get. One, the science is still still like emerging in it, and, and that seems to be one that's really hard to get people to um to to get on board with. Yeah. People are terrified about cholesterol. So that's why the eggs, you know, people are still worried about how many eggs they eat and all that kind of stuff. And I think the newer science kind of says that it's more about um, your overall lifestyle and what if you're genetically deep predisposed to um cholesterol yeah. issues rather than directly what you're eating yeah. is uh, affecting your blood cholesterol levels. My um. Both my in-laws are on like the cholesterol reducing margarine and shit. And every time I go there, I stare them up. I look in the fridge. I'm like, "What is? What is this? Yeah. What's, what's in this? What are you eating? You know, <laughs> get some butter in here." <laughs> they're like, "Ah, the doctors told us to have it." I said, well, "Well, doctors aren't nutritionists, and they're yeah. not dietitians. You know, yeah. they really don't have the best knowledge if they're old school yeah. about diet and nutrition, as you probably know yourself." You yeah, know? yeah, they're not. They're probably not up to date with them. Um, what's factual not unless they've done gone out on their own and, and hunted out that information you yep. know yeah not what they were taught at, at university that's for sure no it's so. not at all it's a quite a, an interesting um conversation to have with with dietitians and nutritionists as yep. well because i have a um i've worked with a couple of different uh dietitian sports dietitians and they for the most part, still follow the old food pyramid sort of thing. Yeah. And it doesn't work with, personally, Sports I it didn't work. No. Sports it, nutrition. No. I've, I've noticed that as well. well like, and specific sports, like what might work for um, AFL, for example, will be completely different to something mm, like Different fuel systems. Triathlon. Yeah. 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 Different fuel systems. And, and what that's funny you say that about dietitians because it seems like they really turn the nose up at like just nutritionists, you know, because you're not a dietitian. Yeah. And obviously the people, dietitians, dietetics, it's a proper degree and they, you know, they get a lot of information and it's pretty involved. Yeah. But the science is moving and changing so fast. Same right. thing, you'd have to keep yourself up to date and go to conferences and, 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 you know, looking what's what's on the fringe of the of the science uh, to, to, to really be up to date with what's happening. And um, it seems like they dig their heels in and don't want to change. Yeah, change. And I suppose if you were taught a whole uh, 
whole different knowledge base and things are changing so rapidly you'd, you'd want to dig your heels in and go no everything i taught was what i was taught was correct it's yeah. not it's not being turned on its head you know you'd have to you can kind of stick your head in the sand a little bit you yeah know? and they might be being taught something that has actually no um, factual basis either mm. they it, a lot of the not a lot um a couple of i'm just, doing a course at the moment on um taking a um, like a healthier fat low carb approach to um, long distance triathlon training and um a lot of the what they present as fact actually has um no if you were to do uh, if you actually to look into the study um that was what they're trying to sell as fact was completely disproven or the, the study itself was wrong um Give me one second here, mate. I just need to... Um, righto, we're back on again. What happened was I stopped the recorder then because I was looking at the... Um, what do you call that? The the waves, the sound, the, the sound waves, yeah, on the on the um, the track header there. And it didn't look like when you were speaking, it didn't look like you were getting any... Um, see your minor up and down? Yep. I go, whoop, I'm getting spikes. It didn't look like I was getting any spikes on yours. And I was worried that we were, <laughs> weren't getting any recordings. But we are. I was just telling Nathan, I'm pretty amateur at all this stuff. I've got all the gear here. It looks like I know what I'm doing, but... I freak out when, when something doesn't seem like it's going right. We stepped up a little bit. The last time we recorded, we were in a pub and we were recording on the phone. So this is a, a much more professional. Yeah, yeah, it was the laptop. It was the laptop. <laughs> you know, but I listened back to that yesterday. Uh, yeah, yesterday while I was out mowing the lawn and stuff, just to recap on, on our conversation. Yeah. And um, you could hear what we were saying, which was good. Yeah. In my mind, because it's been months since we did it, in my mind, it was like, you could barely even hear what we were saying. It was a terrible, you know, it was nearly um, unlistenable. It wasn't that bad. The actual, you could hear us clearly, but yeah. there was heaps of background noise. There was a pool comp or something going on there. Yeah, there was. Yeah. <laughs> it was and, and a refrigerator. A fridge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the whole time in the background. So we should be miles ahead of that anyway. Yeah. Hey, man, while, while we're here, look, we started talking randomly just because I like to make it nice and relaxed and comfortable and just whatever we're talking about is what we're going to talk about on the podcast. Yeah. But I'll, I'll wind it back a little bit. And say, yeah, g'day. G'day. <laughs> Thanks for coming back on. <laughs> Thanks for having me again. Um, yes, yeah, the second time round, we just spoke about the setup. We've got a better setup going on now. Not not re- recording just on the laptop. All huddling, all huddling around it to make sure you can hear us, you know, yeah. um, properly. I just said, yeah, I listened back to it and it wasn't that bad. But um, basically, last time we spoke, you were sort of talking about and gearing up for this um, Europe and then China trip you were going over to, to, to compete in a bunch of Ironman and, and other triathlon events. Yep. And you've recently come back. When did you get back? Um, I got back. About, it would have been about two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago. Yeah, right. So yeah. I did catch you pretty pretty fresh off the off the plane. As yeah. soon as I saw you posting, I think I saw you doing a workout down at Life and Soul. I was like, yeah. oh, Nathan's back, jump on there and yeah. catch him up. So. <laughs> I snuck back in and um, like just kind of had a week to myself. My grandfather came and visited and we had a um, drink. Which is what started the diabetes um, <laughs> conversation. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, so just kind of snuck back in um, and tried. just didn't really... Um, Put anything up on social media because I wanted to spend some time with the family and their grandfather yep. while he was here visiting. And yep, smart move. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I put that post up and you got back. Yeah, in contact jump, straight, jump on. straight on <laughs> it. And um, so, how long were you gone for? All, all up, um, I left Headland uh, Easter long weekend, mm-hmm. and I, ca- I came back for about a week um, towards the end of May. But basically, from um, oh, was Easter, that for something specific or? Uh, no, it, it was, was just always planned. Just to, um, it was to come back to um, grab my race gear, um, so yeah. race wheels and um, yeah, clothing and different bits and pieces, and then yeah. to just jump on the plane and um, head to Europe. I spent um, the 
back end of April and the start of May on the east coast of and northern New South Wales with my yeah, coach okay. and Sean's yeah. family. Yeah, right. Just doing a, a bit of a training block and um, so just a different different area. Yep. Yep. So, yeah. So how long was that then? Easter weekend, you left here, but in Europe, you hit when did you say? Um, end of May. End so of I was May. in yeah in Europe for June, July, um, August, and then I spent September in um, China and uh, a week in Thailand. Yeah, right. Yeah. At the end there, yeah. just to just to relax. Oh no, I raced in. I raced. Oh, you raced in Thailand as yeah. well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. Yep. Oh, pump pumping it out, man. So yeah. that was what I was going to ask. Where where exactly did you go? I guess Europe. There's a bunch of different stops. Yep. Yeah. So Europe, we based ourselves in Girona, which is um, in northern Spain. It's a, about an hour north of Barcelona. For um, yeah, that was the the base for the three months. And yeah. Then okay. We travelled to um, Staffordshire in England for a race. Um, we went to um, Lati in Finland, um, Jönköping in Sweden, and then to uh, Prague. The plan was to go to um, Poland and also Ireland, but um, we had some issues with the bike, so I had to rejig the um, the plans, and I pulled out of both of those races to yeah. focus on the, the um, racing that was upcoming in China and Thailand. Yeah, right, and get your gear back up to spec yep. sort of thing. Yeah. Wow, so all over the place. And you were based, sorry, where did you say you were based? Girona. Girona. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So... Um, is there one event in each of those places or is there a couple? Was it sort of you dip into Staffordshire for one event and then you dip out and, and that, that was sort of the setup? Yeah, or? bounced yeah. around. So, um, we, yeah, the the base camp was um, Girona and I just fly to the, each of the races and, and stay. Well, we did Staffordshire over a week. I think I flew in on Wednesday and out on um, Tuesday or Thursday to Tuesday. Um, I put the, um, the Finland and Sweden races back to back. So we flew in on the Tuesday, uh, the Thursday, and then raced in Finland and then went to Stockholm for a couple of days. And then, um, yeah, I raced those two races over two weekends and then went back to Girona and then um, Prague again for, I think we were there for about five days. Yep. But yeah, um, the idea was to just kind of bounce just straight to the race, race and then come back and hook back into training and hook back into the recovery and the training. Yeah, yeah, righto. Yeah. So how are you getting around with your with all your gear, all your race gear? Is it like, how's it, how are you travelling with all that with that stuff? Yeah, we took, um, like, obviously took a lot of the baggage to um, Girona and when we were going to races, I have a, like a big um, soft bike bag that yep. I put my race wheels in. Um, which helps with the, the traveling and just try and pack quite light. Um, although flights are quite cheap in uh, throughout Europe, the, they do sting you quite a lot for a bike baggage. Bag. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think like we could get to from from Girona to Birmingham in England. I think it was twenty five euros per yeah. per person. Um, it was a like fifty euros return, which is like at seventy or eighty dollars. But it was sixty euros each way for the bike yeah right <laughs> they do sting you yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> and this is all it was it all on planes or was there any train travel um all on all on planes yeah. um, and we we hired a car um when we were in we hired a car a couple of times yeah but yeah for the most part it was to have a look long. around sort yeah. of thing. yeah go for it yeah yep Helps sightseeing. so you did do um as well as uh, racing, you were still training in between. I was going to yep. uh, ask if it was, you know, how how much training versus racing you were doing, and, and to get your recovery in. So it wasn't 
it wasn't that there was that many events that you, you, you were resting between. You were still training in between each event. Yeah, with, you taper into the race, so you're, you're back your training off a little bit going into the race. And then mm. um, in between, the, um, particularly in between Finland and Sweden, I didn't do a lot. Um, mm. Because so, it was so close. Yeah, yeah, yeah you, you just recovering. was recovering um, from that first race into the second one. But uh, yeah, we I trained I trained a lot. I didn't actually probably increase the hours um, too much more than what I was doing here. So mm. we were training about on average you know, twenty early twenties um, hours per week. Just the recovery, um, not having to go to work was was significantly better. So you just yeah yeah. And I bet you probably had a buzz on just because you were over there competing and everything. Hey, you yeah. know, like you've seen how you match up against the other the other guys and in, in each event. So you're probably training where you've already been highly like motivated for i guess eh? yeah absolutely yeah. and just seeing how the other guys um or other people rest and recover like you people talk about um recovery being the priority and it wasn't until mm. i started hanging out with some of the pro cyclists over in Girona that they um gave me a bit better understanding of what recovery actually means and, and they would wake up in the morning get changed in their cycling kit go train and then get straight back into their pajamas as soon as they got back from training and they wouldn't move for the rest of the day really yeah wow <laughs> yeah that's and that was that was their day um if they did have to do something it was uh, like to go and get groceries they would do that on one day they'd have electric scooters so that they weren't walking really? anywhere yeah yeah that's uh, bizarre i would have thought that uh, light moving around and just keeping the body the blood moving through the body would have been part of the, re- the recovery but no 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 go it's, yeah it's stop moving yeah just stop moving completely and if if they are moving it's on they're moving on the bike or there yeah yeah um and, yeah. had you heard about that before did you have an idea that that's what they were doing or yeah yeah, yeah. like uh, i was doing it to a degree um Obviously, still when you're Laying working, up you're, on the couch, kind of thing, watching yeah. Netflix. I think you said last time that's part of it. Uh, yeah, that's that's a part of the training program. But then working, yeah, yeah, you got to work. Yeah, you still have to keep moving when you're there. But just to the, the true professionals, how they recover is completely different. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's bizarre. Yeah, they just go straight home and hop into hop into bed. Yeah, that was just, they just wear wear their pajamas out of their pajamas into the cycling kit. Cycling kit. Um, as soon as they come home, they have a shower get changed back into their pyjama cycling kit goes into the washing machine and rinse and repeat. That's, that's wow. yeah. the glamorous life of a cyclist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and the professional triathletes, like the other guys that I was over there um, hanging out with and training with as well, it was quite similar. It, mm. The only time you'd really see anyone was um, at the coffee shop before a training session. Yeah, right. And the only reason they'd be at the coffee shop is because it was on the way to one of the training sessions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, okay, man. I didn't didn't really um, I didn't expect that. And and how did how did you find you matched up when you got over there against the, some of the like you say these full time professional uh, athletes? Yeah, it, um, I probably realistically, and if I'm honest with myself, I probably un, um, didn't quite appreciate the depth of the field over there because mm. um, I I'd like to think that I'm a um, respectable pro in australia um, yep. like i can hold my own in in most australian races but going over there um with fields of 30 40 50 guys there's say in australia there might be two or three guys that will win a race yeah. potentially and then the rest of cannon fodder yeah over there there's out of the 30 40 50 guys that are in the race there's probably 10 or 15 that could potentially win it and yeah then, right and then from 15 to 30 they're really really strong 
yeah guys and they and they're doing it as a uh, a full-time profession yeah there's a the financial aspect of being over there there's a there's a lot more money there's a lot more people mm. it's the base of a lot of the global headquarters so uh, a lot of guys are able to do that solely as their as their career yeah whereas uh, a lot of guys in australia are doing that as well as something else yep um so the depth of the field and the quality of the field was um i underestimated it completely but mm. um i think to, to answer your question had i raced to my potential which i don't think i did um i could have been quite competitive yeah um yeah but i just the, I, don't, I didn't race to um I didn't race the, to the level that I had been racing at home. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, what did you put that down to? Men- mental? or Yeah, there was a, definitely a mental aspect to it. I, uh, um, Yeah, I, I have suffered from depression and anxiety a lot and, mm. I, and I, w- I had a, um, a pretty hard time with ang- like anxiety and mm. I, I was lacking a lot of confidence when I was over there. Being just completely out of your comfort zone and... And then around all these fully elite guys and everything like that, guys and girls, obviously not racing against the girls, but in that community. Yeah. And then just, I guess, was it a big confidence kind of thing? Like confidence helps you perform? Kind yeah, of, abs- yeah. Because uh, yeah. it's the same with everything, really. You know, you have a bad day even at work. If you, for whatever reason, you've, you've made a mistake or you're just not feeling it, you get your confidence goes down. All of a sudden, you, you're not you're not doing things you know you can do and yeah. it's hard to try and get yourself back in that groove like yeah. competence breeds com- confidence and yeah. it's hard to get yourself back in that groove where what comes first chicken or the egg like i know what i can do yeah i need to reach that level so then i can get my confidence back and and, yeah. and start hitting that sort of um consistently is that sort of what you think was was going on with the the, the performances yeah and, and just not being able to convert um, what i was doing in training into racing i was training well and i was really fit when we we're having um, the conversation um, the last time I, mm. I was I was really fit and really strong mm. when I was going into it and I thought um, by going over there and giving myself the space you know training full-time yep the recovery um, the recovery yep. I'd be able to sharpen up and just get that little bit extra to to probably bridge the gap that, yep. um, you know from being a like a, a, a you know a, a good a reasonably good Australian professional to an, an international standard yeah and Although the the fitness was there in training um, and what I was doing in training would have made me competitive, I just wasn't turning that into racing performances. Yeah. And it's a bit of a kick in the nuts when you know what you're doing in training and you know where that level is. Yeah. Um, as in comparison to the other guys, and but you're just not putting it together. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I wasn't putting it together. And I think the more conscious i was of it and the more i tried to make it happen the, the worse i got yeah 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 um, yeah and it it's like a bit of a um downward spiral not a downward spiral i suppose it was a i just kept um the harder i the harder i pushed and the harder i tried to make it happen the worse i raced yeah yeah right yeah so this is um your first time over there in that in that full-blown environment um yep. for an extended period of time yeah so is it maybe a, a more a, a, um, a matter of the macro versus the micro, the micro? Like maybe after a couple of these type of trips, you're really going to hit your groove rather than hitting it within that first trip somewhere along the way. Do you think that's maybe what it's more going to yeah. be like? Yeah. 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 Now you know. You yeah. 
fully you've been over and seen it all so next time you when you go over there you've you know some of that anxiety won't be because this anxiety is hardly just the unknown isn't it like, yeah. what am i going into what are these guys going to be like what how am i going to stack up yeah you've kind of got a base to work off from from now on don't you yeah yeah absolutely the train the training's there um the the experience and the mm. probably the maturity yeah but how experienced are some of these guys like they're they're over there they're, they're doing these races all the time with probably with a lot of the same peers eh? the same peer group they'd be seeing a lot of the same faces and guys they know who yep. who they need to beat and yep. where they need to sit to beat you know this specific group of guys or whatever so yep. that's all that makes you you know having that knowledge and experience in your back pocket yeah it's got to got to mean heaps yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. That, that was one of the big things that i um particularly with the the swim site in Australia, I know who's a good swimmer. So you kind of line up around them and you can, you know, jump in and, um, you, you know, you swim with a good, try and swim with the good swimmers over there. I was lining up, um, against who I thought was a, a decent swimmer. And, um, when the, the gun goes off and you find out that the person that you're swimming beside or, um, trying to swim behind isn't actually that quick. And you, uh. you see the swim, like the race going up the road, it, yeah. it's a bit of a, bit of a bit of pill to swallow and once the um yeah so, something like that once the, the fast swimmers go away there it's a really hard yeah bridge to gap uh, yep. gap to gap to bridge yeah 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 <laughs> yeah right and so talking about results and, and where you sort of fit into the group what, what was your best sort of result where did you come in what was the uh, you're most happy with anyway um the probably the the happiest race funnily enough um there, there was two i um, I raced at Challenge Prague, so there, I had some issues with the bike um, in the first couple of races. So I, de- I didn't finish the um, the race in Staffordshire. I had a mechanical problem that was mm-hmm. caused by a crash. Um, it was me riding like a goose, um, and then Finland and Sweden. The anxiety um, was through the roof, and I didn't kind of race to my potential there. And I went to um, Prague and just and just raced like a. a um, didn't really follow with that agenda sort of thing. Yeah, just just I, I pretty much buried myself um, on the bike and and um, and really enjoyed it. it yeah, um, it was I you know, I didn't I swam to I didn't swim fast, but I swam as fast as I could yeah. um, uh, compared to some of the other guys. And I got out, and it was the first race that I'd been in for a long time that I was actually starting to ride back through the field, and that was mm. that was a bit of a um, a confidence yeah, boost. Right. My, my bike ended up um, falling to pieces three quarters away through the bike leg, but, um, but that you was, were performing well. Though. I was riding yeah, really yeah. well, yeah. And so, and it's because you weren't sort of thinking about the result as much, you think, and you were enjoying it by the sounds of it, yeah. Which is why you do it because you love it, yeah, eh? yeah, yeah. So that's got to be a big part of it too, eh? Like finding the competitive edge, but also making sure that you're in the moment or or, or in the zone and, and really sort of yeah enjoying it as well. Yeah, I guess. It, eh? I was just yeah, I just was in the moment and it was just rather than trying to force um hidden a flow state yeah that's uh, probably the best way to describe it so excuse me Um, uh, yeah um but yeah not getting tense and not getting stressed and not trying to force the Mm. the power and the speed i just like uh, just kept touch just kept pressure on the pedals and the the more i just relaxed into the into the um the pace of the race the faster i was going yeah um same and the same thing with the run i just started running um wasn't really paying any attention to pace and just relaxed and kept relaxing kept relaxing and yep. the more i relaxed the faster i went oh, <laughs> beautiful yeah. yeah 
And there was a similar thing when um, in when I raced in Thailand. From a like a result standpoint, um, Thailand uh, I ended up coming second, so mm-hmm. that was the the better result or the best result from the entire trip. Um, and that was a, a similar scenario. I did just um, I just got on the bike and and swam as hard as I possibly could. Got out, just jumped on the bike and just and just felt the pedals. Put just felt yeah. the pressure on the pedals and. Rode like rode quite quick. Rode through um, a few of the guys that got out of the water in front of me, and um, same thing with the run. Just uh, just relaxed into the pain and ended up running into second. Got the second, bloody yeah. lovely. Yeah. So um, you're talking about the depth of the field over in in Europe. Is it comparable in China, or is Europe the the, the pinnacle really of it? Yeah. Or they're, they're the same guys over there as well, or, or yeah, a few of the same crew um, racing the the Chinese races, um, but the. Uh, they're not Ironman, are they, in China, as we spoke about last time. These are different events, are they? They were smaller races. They were Olympic yeah. distance races. Yeah. Um, yeah, the European, um, yeah, the, the, as I was saying, there's, there's, you know, 50 guys in a field in some of the European yeah. races and, and you know, 15 of them could potentially win, but 30 of them are actually really good athletes. Yeah. Um, the races in China are generally invitation um only mm-hmm. so uh, i think there was about 15 guys that we raced with um, when we were over there and that was actually the field that i raced in in changsha was probably the best field out of the entire um trip, trip yeah right yeah it was um like ex-world champions um some guys that had raced the olympic standard um the the second race that i did in um china was a little bit smaller a bit of a bootleg race the field there wasn't as deep it was a lot of australian guys and um mm. expats still very very good athletes but yeah not probably not to the standard that um i saw over in europe yeah that's for sure well, in in those europe races when you're saying there's 40 guys 50 guys 10 or 15 of them are competitors for the top spot and then the other 15 to 30 are really top athletes and where are you sitting in that pack yeah Somewhere this in the, time in the fifteen to thirty. Well, that's all right. <laughs> yeah. So you're still in that competitive, really competitive pack. You're yeah. not. You're not in the in the thirty to forty five, fifty. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was th- yeah, I was, I was in that. Um, I can't actually remember um, where I came in the races. I think it was tenth, eleventh, or thirteenth, fourth, yeah. something like that. Yeah. In a lot of them, um, and I didn't really race very well. So um, had I raced to my potential, and had I raced to the standard that I'd been racing. Mm. Over here, I imagine I could. Well, not imagine. I know that I could have been significantly higher. Yeah. Um, in the in the standing, so yeah. I'd so you only just just off this time round with the performance. Not again. Not like you say. You what you know your potential is, but your your performance is only just off the mark of really being competitive at the top at top edge there. Yeah. So it's not like you sound like you're selling yourself a bit short, mate. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I am a little bit, and um, I. I wrote about it in one of my um, blog posts that uh, I'd been doing it as a full-time job since Easter. Yeah. I'm competing against guys that have been doing it as a full-time job for their entire life. Yeah. And they've gone through um, high-performance centers as junior athletes. And 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 they've had the the years that you've had (laughs) just now where they feel like that probably, you know, and banked that experience as well. And then they're building off all that. Like, you know, I think you're bloody... Selling yourself down the river here, mate. You know, it sounds like you did pretty, pretty good. It's good. I mean, obviously, as an athlete and as being and competitive, you've got higher uh, expectations and, and 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 hopes for yourself, which is yeah. that's great. You need that to yeah. be there and to be pushing yourself. But um, yeah, yeah. I'm pa- I am pa- I'm passionate about it, and I think if you if you're competing at 
at an elite level and you're not passionate about what you're doing and you don't have high expectations, you probably shouldn't be doing it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the, I think the, the thing for me that was most frustrating about when I was over there is I just wasn't competing. Um, I wasn't performing at my best. And that was what I was finding was the, the most frustrating part. How do I been yeah. able to... Um, it might not sound right, but I was doing my best at the time, but it wasn't what I was capable of. Yep, no, that makes if sense. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and had I kind of raced to um, even, uh, I would say I was 10, 15, 20% off yep. where I would, I would normally race, even if I'd you know been that 5 or 10% better, um, not even racing, uh, you know, at, my, at a peak performance level, I, I probably could have been, I would have been a lot more competitive, yep. which then has a bit of a snowball effect with the confidence and... Yeah, yeah. And do you think your mind fucked yourself a little bit thinking, like you said, that how that extra recovery time and being full-time at it for X amount of months was going to make the difference to get you up to the to, to speed when, like you said, really in hindsight that you're still competing against guys that have done it for, for their entire careers. Do you think maybe that initial um, setting yourself to land here and landing a little bit short might sort of Mind fucked yourself a little yeah, bit from the from the get go, hundred percent. And then you were fighting against that, yeah, 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 right. yeah completely. My fuck myself. That's <laughs> the best way of putting it. Um, yeah, I was a yeah. I, I was probably naive to think that um, having a couple of months of full time training was going to be able to um, you know put a to to bridge that gap. And well, it doesn't seem naive, like. When you were explaining it to me last time, and like I said, I listened back to the podcast yesterday, it makes sense thinking that you're pushing yourself to the extent you're already pushing yourself to, then recovering what amount you can and then working. Then yeah. to take away that working from the, from the equation, it seems like you're going to be able to make the leap to the next sort of stage. It makes sense. But yeah. then also makes sense to look at it in hindsight and go, well, okay, maybe not that quickly. Yeah. Or maybe not without... <laughs> First, having the experience of, of like we said, the, the other guys have got in the bank already. So that yeah. also makes sense in hindsight. I wouldn't say it's naive. It's just an experience thing, isn't it? Yeah. You can't buy it. You yeah. can't buy experience. Yeah. You've, got to, you've got to get it. You've got to have them. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. you 100% do. And I, uh, um, the, going back to the mind fucking thing, I think I, I, I just wa- <laughs> I wanted to. <laughs> I watched Get Him to the Greek the other night. Yeah. Last night, my, my missus is down in Perth at the moment. So I've been like. Staying up late, watching stupid moves at night. I watched Get Him to the Greek the other night, and Puff that is on there talking, talking about mind fucking the the artist. Because you know the movie I'm talking about. He's yeah. got to get it's um Russell Brand, who's the rock star out of snow. He's got to get him to the the Greek, and yeah. he's telling you got to mind fuck him. I'm mind fucking the shit out of you right now. <laughs> and it's uh, what's his uh, old mate's name? I can't remember his name. It's top of my head, and he's like. I hope you're wearing a condom because I got a dirty mind. <laughs> so I got mind fuck stuck in stuck in my head. But it's a it's a it's a great term. It is, isn't it? It's a great term. But yeah, I think I shot myself in the foot. Um, mind fuck myself um, by by probably by uh, in the back of my mind, I was like, um, I like I I want to be a full time professional. I, I would love for this to be my career. Yeah, and um. The I just put a ton of pressure on myself to make something happen in such mm. a short space of time that mm. um, had uh, uh, a, anything short of like winning a race was going to be a failure. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it, which is just such a really uh, it was a really shit way of going into um, that experience and, yeah. and not taking it as just a 
um, a learning experience, a training experience and, and growing. I just went like, go to Europe, fucking race as best you can, mm. win something, like get some, Make ca- a mark. Get some cash, you yeah, know, yeah, like, yeah. try and get some sponsors that can, can really get behind you and, and chase this thing yeah. um, full time. And the, like the more it didn't happen, the like the the worse I you know mentally became. Yeah, well, the way you explain it, it really makes sense, um, and I can understand because this is not something you can't go and have a crack again next week. You've got to wait now and bide your time, and obviously, yeah. you know, build up to the next. Uh, and I don't, I don't, we'll get to it when you, you know, um, down you know, whenever you want to speak about it. But obviously, there's other events, or I'm sure you've got other things in your mind of what the, the plan is. But it's not going to happen next week, is it? So it's no. it's kind of a. I understand that whole like oh, I'm here. I've waited for this long to do it. It's going to be a while till I get back into the situation like this that you really wanted to make something happen. It makes yeah. it makes sense. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, and you you know all the old. The, you know, the sayings and all that kind of shit, mate. Like, it's not a failure. You know, it's all a slant. You know, if you, it's not a failure unless you don't learn something. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's all just bloody experience, man. So. Yeah. 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 yeah and, it, and it was. Um, when I was in it, in the, in the, in the moment, um, I was probably looking at it as a failure, but now that I've removed myself and come back to headline, I was like, you know what? I took a, a lot out of it. Mm. And, I, and the further you get from... From from the, the the time over there, probably the more you're going to get out of it, and yeah. the less of uh, it's going to feel like a failure. The less and less and less, you yeah. know, and you're just going to go, okay, that's emotion. Moving away from that, yeah. and what are you left with is the experiences and what you learn from it, and, yeah. all that, and, the, and the knowledge and shit. So, yeah, uh, the the whole feeling like a failure thing. That's just because you're passionate, like you said, man. You want this to be your career full time, which I love. Which is the reason I got you sitting here talking to you. I just love people that are passionate about something. I love people that are doing something outside of the you know if your passion is engineering and you want to be an engineer that's cool great i fucking do that every single day i'll you know i'm all for it but if it's not like a lot of us and you've got a day job that you're good at and you take seriously yeah but your passion lies somewhere else i love to see someone chasing that that passion man because you know some people need to make the system tick over and work yeah we need people in all those nine to five jobs we need that (laughs) otherwise it's all shit but then we need people chasing their dreams and shit man and it's you know it's hard to have your side hustle and 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 make it work you know it's it's like we said earlier on, on, on the first podcast it's really good that you're in a position where you can you can split your training and work schedule up like that that's yeah. amazing yeah yeah I, i've been i've been very lucky um it, it's just kind of all fallen into place with long service leave and um the sponsorship support support from shauna and support from work to be able to you need a good woman behind you you're yeah. going to have a partner she needs yeah. to be on board with that kind of shit you yeah. could talk about mind fuck the, a woman could mind fuck the shit out of you she's <laughs> not behind you yeah. and on and on yeah. it man you know what i mean yeah. like they can make some they can make things difficult and and if you're a woman same with the, the man your partner can mind fuck the shit out of you, man. Yep. If they're not behind you, so yeah, that makes can. a big difference. Yeah. So shout out to Shauna. Yeah, she was she was brilliant. Um, she felt the pain as much as I did when I was over there, and mm. I could, yeah, yeah. It um, we it was the first time that her and I had been on a um, like a long trip together, and we it just brought us so much closer. It, yeah, you don't have to go away and get blind drunk at, at every single night to, to have no. a holiday no. together. You know, you can go and have experiences and, and wake up healthy in the morning and yeah. <laughs> still enjoy yourself. Yeah, I think she was, yeah, she was probably bored shitless. Um, well, did, that's one of my questions I was going to ask was, does, does, I've already, so you're getting around with a bike bag and shit. Does, did Shauna have a bike over there as well? Or does she ride or anything like that? Or uh, she 
she didn't. And when we were over there, she ended up hiring or she bought a bought she one. bought a bike when, yeah, we, right. when we were over there. Yeah, she yeah. saw how much fun um, we we had a housemate, Grace, who's also another professional triathlete. And Grace and I'd go out riding together. I'd you know I'd go for a ride, Grace go for a ride. We'd yeah. come back and be like, oh, we saw this. Yeah, um, seeing the countryside of Europe and shit, bloody on on yeah. the, on a bike. It's, yeah, just yeah. old cathedrals, like riding around the back, like around Girona and the small towns around Girona. That, Beautiful, yeah. cobblestone streets. Girona itself, some medieval city, oh. and we'd come back and I'd flick through my phone and um, or Sh- Shauna would see what I put up on Instagram or Facebook, yeah. and she just got, she got I'm quite jealous. Yeah. yeah, and and she went, oh shit, I need to get amongst this, and ended up buying a bike. And, oh, awesome! Um, she yeah started started swimming, started running. Um, she's uh, this could signed, be a life changer for Shauna. Yeah, this trip. Yeah, she well, she signed up for um, Bustleton Ironman seventy point three next May. She, yeah, wow. Yeah, she. And she's never done anything competitive like that before. Never been interested in it or anything. Or? No. Oh, cool, man. Yeah, she's played. I think she played netball as a junior, but um, not not triathlon. Not, yeah, wow. Yeah, not, That's cool, man. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's got, got the she's got, got the, the bug. bug. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is, oh, how would you not? Like, I'd be bloody jealous. I would have bought a bike if I was over there. And you guys are riding around looking at all old cathedrals and shit. I'd be like, I'm getting amongst this. Yeah, absolutely. And just the quality of the riding. The roads are dead smooth. They're, and um, the climate, as we were saying. Climate, last was, climate was beautiful. They're not um, windy cities over there or anything, are they? Yeah, it, it, it kicked up. Yeah, not it's not like it is here. It kind of yeah. the wind kicked up in the afternoon, and it was quite hot. Um, it was a really dry, mm. dry heat. Um, there was a couple of weeks where it was over forty degrees Celsius. Oh, really? So, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's it gets cool in the evening. It, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it spikes and then drops, and then dry heat's different as well. Like it's been 40, 43 shit like the last few days up here. Yeah, which is warm, but it's not like it's going to be in March when that humidity kicks in and shit. Eh? Yeah. Just when it rocks you, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was. Yeah, Monty's he wasn't quite close that. enough, mate. <laughs> he likes to sit on top of things. So I, I quite often lose my phone around the house. I'm like, Where's my bloody phone? I'm walking around looking at it for everywhere, accusing people. What have you done with it, Ems? What the kids have bloody got my phone? And you stick your hand underneath Under Monty the there, and yeah, <laughs> and he just gives you a look like, Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> got, got some attention, yeah. <laughs> uh. No, well, that's bloody cool, man. So she got a bike over there. How far into the to the piece did that happen? Oh, it must have been about. Four, uh, it was pretty soon after we got there. Um, it, yeah, she she's a little green with envy. Um, quite quickly. <laughs> so yeah, it was. Well, it must have been within the first month she got on it, and then uh, she'd go. So you know, riding right. around. Port Hedland didn't didn't make her jealous. No, no, oh. <laughs> no I don't. I don't ride on the road um, at all when I'm here. It's um, yeah. it's quite it is, it's quite dangerous and, and yeah. Just there's heads. no good riding spots. No. Yeah, no. and the wind. Yeah. Bloody blowing a gale out there at, at the moment, man. Yeah, it is. I see the wind surfers are out there at Spoolbank. Yeah, it's changed actually. When um, I was having a conversation with about, well, I turned up and it was the back end of winter, and now it's it's the winds changed direction in summer. Yeah. Uh, went from being windy in the morning to windy in the afternoon, and then the heat yeah. ripped in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I just done a bunch of asbestos removal and shit lately at work, so we were in in the full blown suits with the masks on and stuff like that, just dripping, just completely yeah. saturated at work. Going, yeah, good timing. Were down here, this. Were you guys down here, Dome? Uh, that is my the company I work for. I'm not yeah. on that job. Uh, yeah. thank, thank I found it quite humorous that there was some of the guys and completely off topic of triathlon shit. We, it, John and I were getting a coffee and we're driving and we like ducked around the corner from Dome and we saw 
the bigger specimens, the the fence was up, and then there was guys in sperm suits with face masks and mm. and shit on, handling everything quite precariously. And then one of the um, desk jockeys turns up in a suit, yeah. and he just walks onto onto, onto side. <laughs> yeah, well, the thing is, a whole lot of wank from from the get go. It's apparently the soil there is contaminated from old buildings. You know, they're doing testing and they're getting very very minuscule amounts of any asbestos coming back, and yeah. it's just a whole lot of wank. So you can be on the outside of the fence, yeah putting up um, the chicken wire, you know, the, the mesh, and not in a suit because you're yeah. outside of the site, but if you have to be on the site half a metre away, you have to be fully suited. It's just the whole thing is a whole, lot, it's a whole lot of wank, mate, you know. <laughs> um, and, and I've been doing asbestos, like the, they call the decromastic roof tile, so it's an old tin tile. Yeah. Um, they're all throughout South Edland and shit with like a sandpaper kind of um, uh, texture on the top of them. Yep. And the adhesive to that sand type of... Um, Texture is got like a one percent asbestos uh, yeah, content right. in it. Yeah. So when we strip them off, they treat like a full blown asbestos removal site. They've got black plastic wrapping the whole scaff. We're all in P three masks, full head to toe, spitting suits. You know, um, bagging everything, double bagging it in the back of the truck, and yeah. we spray the whole roof down with PVA glue before we start. Like the full full gear, yeah. and then it's just like this roof's been sitting here for forty years. Half yeah. of the shit's missing. Like yeah. this, half of the, the <laughs> adhesive, everything's blown off throughout the throughout the, the years yeah. but all of a sudden now it's full blown just, and then the neighbours freak out because it looks like some sort of Hascam bloody operation going on they rock up going what's what going are you on? doing you know I have to keep getting down explaining to people look this is what's going on it's all overkill yeah. this is the precautions we're taking you know like and you got a 30 knot wind blowing into their yard as well oh, kids yeah, playing I had to in the keep stopping. Yeah, I had to stop every time the wind kicked up I have to stop and just do clean up procedure and stuff like that but it's bloody overkill man it's ridiculous yeah but, as the games we play up here in Port Hedland. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah gosh. So, so what? Okay. What was your your best result? Favorite race? Are probably the same. Probably you already explained those two. Was your favorite race that the um, the Prague one would have been your favorite event? No, Thailand. No? Thailand was. Thailand a, was a favorite. Yeah. There were, uh, it was. I had a, a, a really enjoyable experience at um, Changsha International Triathlon. We get looked after quite well there by the um, the race organizer Rocky. Um, yeah, Rocky. Yeah, Rocky's a Rocky's a good dude, and um, and Larry. They from um, uh, a respect of the professionals and the impact that we can have in the community, they look after us mm. really well. We we stay in really nice hotels. We get um, translators. Um, you know, we get introduced to you know like the mayor of the city and yeah, different right. bits and pieces. So when you say you stay in nice hotels, is this the only place where they're organising your accommodation for the most part for yeah. that event? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, the other race in China, we we got this this kind of the same setup, but yeah. it was it didn't. It was just we were we were there to kind of um, fulfil a requirement from the government rather than being the draw card of the race. Yeah, okay. Uh, whereas Changsha, we were the um, we were the, the centerpiece of the race, and yeah. it was um, nationally televised. Um, oh wow! Yeah, that was a cool experience. The the Thailand race, um, there's a series of races. Um, brought on by the the Royal Thai Navy, and that race was the penultimate race of the series. And what do you mean brought on by the Navy? Is it inspired by? It's a series that the the Navy runs um, mm. throughout Thailand. I think it's a five or a six race series, and they have different um, uh, distance races, so sprints, Olympics, and um, they call it Warrior Distance, which is Ironman. Yep. 
and um, the race that I was in was the finale um, of the year and you race in Satahip um, or in what southern Thailand mm. and it's on the Navy base so cl- closed to the public for um, you know for the for the year yeah other than this race and you, you swim around an island um, in just beautiful uh, water and you race around the Navy base at the same time the princess of Thailand was racing the general of the Thai Navy was oh, racing. really they had this um, full before our race that they had uh, like it was a a faux storming of the beach. So there was like six boats that ripped in from the ocean and there was, I'd say, a hundred guys that stormed the beach firing blanks wow. and people parachuting in. There was guys that, um, men and women, that parachuted in, Jeez. dropped their chutes and then started the race. Really? Yeah. Well, um, they go all out, man. Yeah, and it was that was nationally um, broadcast as well. There was camera crews everywhere. It was a it was a wild. You kind of production and shit over in like in it's. I've only been to uh, uh, from Asian countries. I've only been to Indonesia and Thailand. But Thailand went, went years ago and went to um, Fantasy. It's yep. like a big stage production that, that they do there. Yeah, they got um, like battle scenes on elephant back and shit like that, and yep. all these acrobats. So it was kind of like. Cirque du Soleil with animals involved, and I'm just me and my me and my M's were just watching, going, look at the like. Imagine how much this would cost. They yeah. just don't hold back at all. Do no. they go all out, man? Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. They didn't didn't hold back for this race either. It was um, it was out of control. It so the Ironman World Championships was on last night in Kona in Hawaii, and the production of this race in Thailand made it look like it was uh, like a school kids yeah. um, play. It was. It was incredible. They they spared no expense. And there's something about the way they do things, like the physicality of the, the, the in the Asian culture. When they do something like that, if you were to have like a faux storming of the beach here in, in bloody WA, it'd be lame. They'd come yeah. in slowly and they'd jump out and the dudes would be all stiff. A couple in a tinny. Yeah, and it would just be like, it looked staged, but I bet they probably looked the part over there when they do it. Yeah, they, they were in full um, military regalia. There was, yeah. there was tanks. Um, there was a flyover from jets. There was people um, parachuting out of helicopters oh, they, man. and that li- firing blanks like they yeah, yeah. ran up to the beach with assault weapons and they shot at the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, we were lining up for the, for the start of the race and um, I think the race was supposed to start at three o'clock and I said, oh, we're just going to have a little bit of a, um, a presentation and then all of a sudden this jet flies over and then hear this the did choppers you, did coming. Did you know what was coming? But no, I had absolutely no idea. Oh, that's cool. I'd watched the start of the, the, um, the Ironman race, which was first thing in the morning and they had a fireworks display that would be something close to what they um, put on for at the Sydney Opera House for New Year's yeah, yeah. for the start of the race. I thought, okay, yeah, they're, they're not mucking around. And then yeah, when they said that there was going to be a, a small performance before the start of our race, yeah, they probably explained it in the um, in the race briefing, but it was all in Thai, so I didn't really pay <laughs> yeah, much attention yeah, to it. Yeah. And yeah, all of a sudden there's a flyover from the jet, helicopters start turning up, like people, the, you see some boats in the distance, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, well, oh, they're coming towards us. Oh, they're coming in the beach. Oh, shit, there's people coming out. Of it. And now they're shooting at us. <laughs> no, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That was that was cool. That was a not only from um, a performance standpoint, coming second was great, but just to be a, a part of that, I'll, I'll remember that forever. That was yeah, the most exciting race I've been a part of, for sure. Just trying to make sure he doesn't stop the recording. Yeah, yeah. He's very capable of doing something silly like that. I'm talking about the cat. He's hanging around. <laughs> he's featured in a couple of podcasts, actually. 
Just getting himself involved. Well, that's cool, man. Okay, so that's your favourite race. Yeah. What was the, the hardest event, whether it's physically or, or, or mentally or whatever, for the most challenging you know, event slash climate to, to perform in for you? I guess Thailand would have been humid. Yeah, Thailand was Thailand was really hot. Um, the both of the races in China were quite hot as well, and the um, dealing with the, the smog in China was no, yeah. quite um, quite a challenge. Uh, the yeah, the like the climate in the European races, actually, I I underestimated the how much cold water would affect oh, me, and yeah. then also nutritionally, um, how many calories I needed to take on to deal with the colder weather because when you're racing a lot of the races that I've been in it's you know 30 plus degrees so mm. you don't quite need to um, eat as much and the colder so it got you need more I, food for a colder climate uh, yeah I, I found that I was um, underdoing it for <laughs> I got himself on, yeah. on, on audio there yeah good feature <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, um, yeah so I, I, like I um, I popped in popped like so ran out of carbs in um, one of the races, like nutritionally kind of started to fall away in one of the races. So I think I um, took a little bit more on um, in the next race. And Do you have like um, uh, glycerine or what do they call them, like glycogen, um, like tablets or, or sachets or something like that you can smash? Like a, pad, a carbohydrate yeah. powder, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah I've got a um, – one of my – um, sponsors Infinite Nutrition does a um, like a carbohydrate electrolyte mix that I yeah. put together. Um, yeah, pre pre race and carry around in a bottle. And that that wasn't that wasn't topping you up enough. Yeah, it was. I just yeah. didn't. So normally um, I'd have about somewhere between kind of seventy grams, seventy to ninety grams an hour. And um, I when I'm racing in Australia and. I think I took on about seventy grams an hour on the bike in the first couple of races. In the in the you know the first couple of races, and when I started falling off, and it just wasn't quite enough, so yeah, I pumped right. it up a little bit towards the the back end of it. And then <clears throat> just cold the the first race when I was in Staffordshire, the water temperature was I think fourteen degrees, and even in a wetsuit that was quite cold. When I got in to do the warm up, I hyperventilated. Mm. And I've never experienced that before in a race um, in my life. So it was, um, I just had to be conscious of that going into the the race in um, Finland and in Sweden. Um, so I changed the warm up that I did there, and rather than doing a um, a, a swim warm up and cooling down mm. and, and you know getting the the hyperventilation and probably hypothermic, I um, did a dry um, dry land warm up. So I ran instead and just went straight into the the. Um, the race from yeah, the gun. Yeah, so you were yeah. actually warm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. makes sense. Yeah, just things that I didn't didn't think about um, or I didn't think that would – I was conscious of it, but I mm. didn't think about it um, enough probably before I went over there. Um, yeah, and it yeah, affected or became a part of some of the racing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And so I'm, I've hit a lot of these things I'm looking at already. Um, yeah, sort of. I think we've hit a big list of stuff. There. I do, man. I got a list of stuff. It's good, but we, that's what I want. Hit them naturally, you know what I mean? Like that's 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 the bloody um, that's the best way to go. I do. That's what I, was, I did want to ask though. Um, but coming back, what's your fitness level like when you when you got back and and where are you like as in are you leaner than you've been for a long, long time? Or are you, are you feeling strong when you got back? Did you get stronger over there? Like how, how's your whole fitness level 
gone throughout it and, and is it now now that you're back? Yeah, I kind of um, – I, I got really fit. I was fit when I was there uh, before I got there and then I got really fit towards the end of it. Um, I had three races over three weeks, the two in China and the one in Thailand and racing back to back to back, you'd, mm. you're not um, training as much. So yeah. fitness dipped. Yeah, right. When I first yeah. got back here, the first week of training um, was quite a challenge. And I'm, but you would have had jet lagged a bit, hey? Jet lagged. Yeah. Um, I was, yeah, it was a little bit... Mentally drained. Sick, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, and did just, you get sick at all over there? Yeah, the um, the race in Changsha, uh, myself and a few of the other athletes got a, um, a stomach virus. Mm. I think there was a problem. Bloody we were the only people... man. <laughs> oh, I think it was... I don't want to throw the guys under the bus, but we were the only people in this um, huge hotel um, for, the f- for the first couple of days. And so the chef was only cooking for a handful of us. Yeah. And the the first group of people that were there all got sick. Oh, right. <laughs> Go on, chef. Go on, old mate. Old mate, yeah. Your fingers. <laughs> um, that was about it. I, yeah, Just to go get rid of last week's fish. Yeah. <laughs> it was a burger. It's It stitched a, a few of us up. And one guy actually came back and I think he got him worse than the rest of us and he came back and lost five or six kilos um yeah from yeah from the the illness so mine was kind of a 48 hour thing but um Mm. yeah it knocked um jared around for a couple of weeks and had to go on antibiotics and oh really yeah and that that fucks you yeah 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 it does um yeah so my fitness uh was probably peaked towards the end of um, August. I felt like the second race that I was in China, I was um, tapered well for, but mm. I, I could, didn't end up um, being able to race that one. I got a flat. Um, and when you, when you say your fitness is up, how, how do you um, um, gauge that? Were you feeling, were you recovering better? Yeah, recovering better. And then also just um, heart rate and heart rate for pace yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and power on the bike. So where does your rest and heart rate sit? Rough, yeah. rough, roughly. In the mid thirties, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a f- something wrong with me. Mine's around thirty seven, thirty eight as well. Every time I go to the, that's like, good. I know, but every time I get, um, have to do a, a medical or whatever, and they test test my heart rate, they always freak out at me. Yeah, of yeah. course they probably do with you, but you can tell them that you're a triathlete. When they say to me, "Whoa, your heart rate's too low," ah, oh, it's just always been like that since yeah. I was young. You know, like I am fit, but I'm not fit like you. Yeah, mine, mine shouldn't be that low. And then I've had to have chest chest X-rays and been on the ECG machine, like just to get um like clearance for jobs or yeah. insurance and things like that. And it's like, oh man, I'm going through this rigmarole again. I'm like, come on, like, there's nothing wrong with me. Yeah. I've just got a low resting heart rate, man. Yeah. <laughs> Let me alone. It is. Let me go. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's yeah, resting heart rate's probably a good indicator of of fitness. So for for me, um, it's when my how I know I'm fit is again like the um the lower the heart rate for the higher the power or the faster the, the, the speed essentially gives me a good indication the, of... Say that again. The, the lo- lower the heart rate for like high power on the bike or, yep. or, or you know, fast pace for running. So if I'm yep. um, running and at race pace and being able to do it when my heart rate's quite low or yep. lower than normal, that's a good indication of... <clears throat> and and how quickly you come back down to a lower heart rate. That's as right. Well, as well, yep. Yeah, yep. how quickly it drops down. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so the fitness dipped a little bit after those three races and um, I took a week off when I got back here, as I was saying, to go fishing and um, drink some beers with my grandfather. Got to um, do it. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was really good. Uh, but now it's picking back up again. Even the first week of training was really hard because I came back here and it was quite hot. Mm. Um, so the body took a little bit to adapt, but um, I'm back up to where I was 
at the end of August. So you're still doing all your, your, your um, sports-specific training right now? Yeah. Are you, are you trying to lift and put some size back on and stuff like that as well? Or? No, no. I think when I went over to Europe, I was quite heavy. I was really strong. I, when we were having a conversation, um, I was mm. in the gym two or three times a week. Yeah. And um, I probably more resembled a CrossFitter than a um, than a triathlete. Yeah, I was, okay. I was 78, 79 kilos when I first got over there and it just wasn't conducive. You've to got to carry it around and yeah. feed it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Feed the muscle and carry it all around. Hey? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I've leaned out a lot um, since then. I'm back out into the, like the early 70s, mm-hmm. um, which is like, I, I don't like to get much leaner than this because the power yeah. starts to fall off on the bike. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm at a good spot for um, where I need to be. So you think moving forward, you'll be training differently. You'll be training less on less on um, weights and and strength, and more on on. I'll change how. Um, I'll change the protocol for the the strength sort of thing, but probably not three times a week. It might be one or two times a week, and then rather than lifting really really heavy, um, I'm I might juggle it around a little bit. Have one heavier day, and then one kind of more of power and mobility. So yeah, 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 righto. Yeah. Yeah, change that up a little bit, and but it, the the good part about that strength side of thing and the work that I did leading into the um, European stint is it made me quite resilient, and um, I didn't have any injuries when I was over there. And touch would haven't had anything since I've been coming back. It's mm. a, um, the body was able to um, withstand it, withstand the the load. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Well, that's pretty big. Yeah. Well, imagine going out there. <laughs> blowing a knee in the first event or something like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, or musculature and, and just the tendons and ligaments yeah. being able to just cop that day yeah, in, that day load. out. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So so what's next? Um, I'm going to um, Ironman Western Sydney in... Sorry, shift the microphone. That's um, yeah, Ironman Western Sydney on the 24th of November and then um, Ironman 70.3 Torpo or Taupo, Topo, however you say it. Mm. I'm not a cuzzy bro, so yeah. I don't quite know how to say yeah. it. Yeah. Um, that's on the first weekend in December, so yeah, it's separated yep. by. Um, there's a, a weekend in the middle yep. um, for a bit of recovery. So you stay over that side. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to be. We have a wedding actually. The, the middle weekend. Mm. In, Sober wedding, in Canberra. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, that'd be rude. <laughs> I'd have to have a couple. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so two two races at the end of the year. Um, the initial plan going into the like the European block was to be back at work at the start of October, but um, with work's blessing um, and Shauna and through discussions with my coach, we decided to take the rest of the year off. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, lovely. <laughs> yeah, and and f- focus on the the racing in the back end. I was quite frustrated with how I performed over there, and um, as I was saying, the fitness was there, mm. um, and it just wasn't turning into race performances. And um, I I wanted to give myself an opportunity to have um, to carry this fitness into. Yeah. So you reckon you were going to go over Sydney and, and Taupo, Taupo, yeah, and whatever now and <laughs> smash them? Uh, I wouldn't say smashing, but um, yeah, it's it's another. Um, as I put it to Sean when we're having the, the discussion, I said I'm doubling down on the investment that we've both made. Yeah, yeah. Um, into my fitness over the last five months, and um, I got really, oh, I was very, very fit at the, yeah. the end of August, and I started to lean out quite a lot. Run speed started to increase significantly, um, and just carrying this this fitness, this big block of fitness, into some more racing seemed yeah. like a a better idea than going back to work and losing again. It's really hard to yeah, to get, um, you know, it's, it's three months of like really solid training and racing. <clears> and, <throat> and a good way to come back from such a big uh, experience and event over there or you know, series of events over there to come back and sort of 
back into work, you probably would have had a pretty big dump. Yeah. You know, like, but this kind of gives you, like you say, yeah. you, you know that you want to keep that fitness base there and work on work off it for yeah. these next few races, which is yeah. seems like a good idea. And then it'll be bloody Christmas. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And on the East Coast. Um, and coming back here, it's actually be quite easy to step back into training because it's, I know where everything is, you know, the, um, but I have a car, like just mm. the small things that you don't think about that um, tend to just wear on you a little bit when I was over in Europe, you know, having to, having to walk everywhere, um, you know, there was a couple of cases to the pool, so we're walking there, walking back, um, yeah, right. backpacking um, all of our groceries and stuff around, only we had a, um, only a small bar fridge in the in the apartment that we're in rather than a big fridge just, you couldn't just load it up yeah, keep going back yeah. yeah right. we weren't able to meal prep or um, do the things that we would normally do over here that makes life a little bit easier around that training load yep so it it's actually been um, nice to come home and to um, get back <clears> into a um, a bit of a routine and just settle into knowing that I have it was it's a nine week straight training block into the next race is rather than trying to yeah i think um the longest training um solid training block i had when i was in europe was four weeks because mm-hmm. it was bookended by well, it was three weeks actually it was because it was bookended by racing and although you can you get a little bit of um, momentum out of the those couple of weeks like the more training you can do back to back to back to back to mm-hmm. back the fitter you're going to become yeah cool yeah oh man it sounds it sounds cool it's like a um, like we said earlier, it sounds like a, an in, like a completely invaluable experience. You know, you needed to get that, um, and you know, it's only something you can build off. Yeah, you know. And then, what, what's the plan for next year? I mean, you can't take another three months off, can you? No, no. Back to work um, in January. Um, yeah, and then and reassess it. I think it's it has been quite fun um, racing the half Ironman distance and the Olympic distance. And oh, yeah. It was a good. Um, it has been a good learning experience, but it, I think if anything, it's taught me that I'm probably more suited to Ironman distance racing, like a, a longer oh, yeah. course athlete. I just um, I haven't been able to quite bridge the gap to the the speed and the intensity to race at the, <laughs> the short shorter distance. Ones. Yeah, right. Um, which it, which is good. I um, like that was something that I wanted to try and do uh, mm. to see whether it was worthwhile and. Haven't been able to quite get there. So next year, going back to work, um, the focus will be on maybe one or two long course races. Um, yeah, okay. And as I was saying before, just doing a big training block into those races and yeah, um, yeah, trying to you know, have a focus on one or two events rather than racing nine or ten races, whatever it is that I've yeah. done this year. Yeah, yeah. How awesome, <laughs> but man. Yeah. Bloody experience. Hey, man. Before we get out of here, I, I, I got a couple of. Um, thoughts. I feel like I'm really echoey. Ever since the cat walked over here, man, yeah. I don't know what he's done. He's hit something. Um, I've got a few thoughts, you know, things I would normally hit on a weekly podcast, yep. stuff that's happened over the last week or whatever, um, thoughts that have floated through my head. Yep. So I might just throw them out there and get your, your take on them and just bounce back and forth on them for a little bit if you're cool with that. But yes. The big one, uh, NRL grand final last week. You watched it? I'm a mad Rooster supporter. I think that was one of um, my godparents are um, mad Rooster supporters. And I think a Rooster's jersey was one of the first items of clothing I ever wore. Wow. Um, straight out of the womb. So it gets, could wrap be... It, wrap could, him up in it. Yeah, yeah, it could be. Let's have a look at the questions. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 um, I'm a 
Storm, I'm a massive Melbourne Storm supporter. Yeah. So you guys got over us twice in a row. It's, it just seems like uh, over the last two years, the, the, the Roosters have emerged as they're just a better team. Yeah. Um, obviously, they're right there. They're neck and neck. We were in the grand final last year and you kind of shut us out. Yeah. Um, and sort of smoked us in the end there, which was a bit of a disappointing, I think, performance by the Storm. Yeah. So it was good to run it back this year. Really, you know, it could have been the grand final the, the week before when the Storm and the Roosters played again. Yeah. And it was a really good, tough game. Yeah. Um, but you had the Roosters just edged us out again, yeah. man, which for me was really one. Like I said, it was good to see that, that game. I would have liked to have, it to have been the grand final again, but, you know, it was close enough. They play each other the second last game of the year. Yeah. And, yeah, for, for my money... Um, over the the few competitions they've had together over the last couple of years, the Roosters look like they're just they're just ahead of them on that you know in the, in that competition. I don't know if you'll get up on them without Cooper Gronk. Yeah, next year's going to be year. interesting. Um, Whereas I've been really proud of the Storm yeah. building that depth. Yeah, you know, we had the big three. Yeah, and now we've just got Cam Smith and we're still yes finished top of the ladder. Yeah. Basically, the second best team in the. I know we didn't make it to the grand final, and, and the Raiders did beat us out. So the Raiders. Are, in that conversation at the moment, but as we're talking about who's going to be here in the next five years at yep. the top of the, the ladder, definitely, you know, you're going to see the storm up there again. I'm really proud of them being able yeah. to build that with losing all the big names as yep. they've done. They've built a really strong young um, pack. So it'll be interesting to see how the storm fair, the, the roosters fair next year. You've got some really good guys, Kiri and stuff like that as well. Yeah. Um, they're not a one trick pony, but Cooper Cronk's a big deal. Yeah. To have there. Yeah. Yeah. He is. He'll, he'll be a big, He'll be a big loss. It'll be it'll be interesting to see whether whether Kiri can uh, pick up the reins. But the Roosters aren't really good for developing players. They they mm. just buy a better best a bunch of superstars yeah. there. It doesn't yeah. hurt having James Tedesco yeah. and, and um, <laughs> the full pack that they've got. Yeah, yeah, yeah and out in the wings as well. You know, yeah. Um, Tupo. Yeah, what's the old mate's name? Um, Latrell Mitchell. Yeah, Latrell Mitchell. He's a freak when yeah. he's on. Yeah. I was saying to my dad, you know, who's a mad rugby league fan as well, I reckon he's, he'd be good to pick for um, getting back on the origin side next year. He's got had more experience now. You know, he kind of shat the bed and they kicked him off, off the team sort of yeah. earlier this year. Shat the bed as in just didn't perform. Yeah. He's got to rock up to every single game in origin, you know. And I yeah. think that he should, he should be right to get back in there now. I yeah. think he's had the experience, whereas, you know, he knows how to win now and, and, and understands that you have to show up every single game. Yeah, he's a little bit hot and cold. And they mm. were saying that in the, the grand final. He didn't actually do too much in the grand final either. I think he got shut down quite a lot. But, um, yeah, he will um, one extra year in the competition. You know, getting kicked off the, um, the origin team mm. would have made a huge difference. And yep. um, hopefully next year he comes back a bit stronger. Only, only Greg Inglis is allowed to play. Half his games at top, at top, um, yeah. at top at speed, and still get picked. Yeah, no one else is going to pull that off. Yeah, <laughs> no, no one at all. <laughs> so, so yeah, um, and and it was just, that grand final Matt, was awesome. Yep. Like hard game. Yeah, low scoring, which is what you want to see. No one running away with it. Yeah, and it, you're a Roosters fan, so you might have a different take on it. To me, I I really feel that refs call fucked them. Yeah, it did that yeah. last ten minutes. Yeah, it was it was eight eight apiece. Yeah. It changed the momentum of the game completely. The Roosters were getting smashed at the yeah. time. Obviously, it wasn't on the points on, on the board. It wasn't. They weren't getting smashed. It was even. But the, yeah. the Raiders really had the run of the game. They had for sort of ten minutes. Yeah, there's ten minutes to go. They're looking good. They were up there into the field. Um, there was some sort of exchange between you know, the ball bouncing up, uh, maybe off a roof. And I'm, and I'm not even saying that it did bounce off the roof, Roosters player or whatever. I haven't watched it back. But the ref called six more. Yeah. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he put yeah. his hands up, called six more. Sweet. So the players played that that 
that um, tackle as if they had six more. Yeah. Didn't kick got the ball, tackled. got tackled, yeah. and that was handover. Yeah. And then they scored straight off that next, yeah. which it's a yeah. terrible, terrible decision. Yeah. They should have blown the whistle as Tedesco's running down the field and going, ah, yeah, yeah pull back, let, yeah, let it go. But yeah, I wouldn't even know what to do in that scenario. I think um, because he called, you're better off having a bad call and saying six more and it wasn't. Yeah. Than saying six more, you've told the player six more and then and then change your mind. Yeah. Yeah. I, think, I, yeah. I think that the actual the call that they ended up making was, I believe, was technically right for them to to play on. It shouldn't have yeah. been six again, yeah. but. Had they kicked or, um, you know, it would have, they would have handled the ball differently. Yeah, um, it would definitely would have handled the ball differently. Set. If they didn't call it, it would have been a different yeah. play. Yeah. So, yeah, that was very controversial yeah. at the end there. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it kind of took the um, shine off the game because leading up to that, it was a ripper. It Great game. I mean, in game. a game where points are that hard to come by, scoring yeah. a, a try in the last 10 minutes, it was, ri- I mean, 10 minutes normally is heaps of time left. Yeah. But Even a penalty, they, like they had that much pressure on them that the Roosters may have given away a penalty, or um, you know they the Raiders get a repeat set of six. Yeah, um, or they could have they thrown it like out that. for a field goal. Yeah. Even one point would have made yeah. a big. So in, in in a game that tight and that hard, normally ten minutes left on the clock, you go all right. This is all right. We can, man, they can they can get back up there and score another try. But it was kind of felt like the death knock. Yeah, at yeah, the and just knock the wind out of their sails yeah. completely. Yeah. You're like, man, it's not going to be easy to get get another shot yeah. at them and they didn't give them another shot at them at all but no. power to the roosters mate they got over the line there and yeah, yeah good game real yeah. good game yeah it was it, it's just a shame that it was marred by that controversy yeah refs shouldn't have a, 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 um, a part in the decision no you don't want to yeah. <laughs> say you, no one comes to see the refing. Yeah. oh wow the refs are really good this week you know no, yeah. get, out, get out the way <laughs> you, sh- you shouldn't be talking about them no <laughs> well that's that's right it's, but on the other hand speaking of the refs the, the week before I think they did a really good thing in that um, Storm Roosters game because they did get out of the way and they yeah. let. That's why that game was so hard. They yeah. let them smash each other in the rock and, yeah. and they, you know, they let them. There was a sin binning in the first two minutes or something. Yeah, a sin bin a player from each side. Yeah, and it was kind of like the teams pl- called their bluff. Yeah, and just kept going hard. Yeah, and it was like, where do we go from here? We've yeah. already sin bin two blokes yeah. and they're still smashing each other. So they're like, they kind of just let it go. Yeah, and you had this real, you know, rough, rough sort of heavy game, which yeah. was, you know. Awesome to watch. Good. Yeah, it was good to watch. Yeah, there was like four head injury assessments yeah. or something like that. <laughs> there was dudes blowing ankles and stuff. It was yeah. pretty cool, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was a great game. Um, what about the UFC? Did you watch the UFC last week? Yeah, I did. Two forty-three. Yeah, Stoltenberg. Yeah. He's the real deal. Yeah, already sort of Doesn't knew that. Around. But he he claimed that he he claimed the. He claimed the shot that he put on him, but he was leaning back with his eyes closed. So, oh yeah, <laughs> uh, look to be to be honest, he's a freak, um, and he's a real deal, and it's exciting. I, I love Robert, Robert Whitaker. I love both those guys. Yeah, I've followed followed Whitaker's um, career since the Tough um, series when he first, you know, won the the contract to fight in the UFC. Yeah. Um. So I'm really all about him, and he's you know he's he's Kiwi slash Aussie, but he's a proud Aussie. Yeah. Um. Stolben is a Nigerian slash Kiwi, yeah. Um, so I've definitely had my hat in the, in the Aussie ring there as well. And just like I said, I followed his his um, career since the beginning. So both guys I love, but um, it's it is more exciting having Stolbender as the, yeah. the champ. Yeah, he's yeah, more, you need the, more, you need someone. He's like the um, he's like the Mayweather of UFC. He's like I, a, I think he's a bit lippy. He he came out. He did the dance on the yeah, the way yeah. out. Like that's cool. You need characters like that in the I, sport. I've kind of likened him to a hybrid between Anderson Silva and Conor McGregor. He's got Anderson yeah. Silva's sort of striking capabilities. He's yeah. got Conor McGregor's chops on the microphone. You yeah, know? <laughs> he's sort of somewhere in, in between there. And yeah. Um, yeah, he's he's definitely the real deal, man. I feel bad for Rob Whitaker. It's going to be a hard road for him to get himself back up the top. 
just because they're not going to be throwing opportunities his way because no. he's not an exciting, cap, you know, captivating um, uh, opponent or, or, or um, personality like Stolbender. Yeah. But I didn't like the way he was fighting, and I said it from the very beginning. No, he, he just went out and threw him, didn't he? Yeah, he doesn't, and he doesn't fight like that. Like yeah. he puts pressure, but he's much more. Um, he relies on his movement uh, um, a lot more, and yeah. he just looked like he just wanted to get in there and make a it box. a dog fight. Yeah. He wanted to make it a dog fight, but. Yeah. I think his corner needed to recognise early on in that first round. They needed to say, "Look, this isn't this isn't happening." Yeah, you've been clipped already. You got yeah. sat down at the end of the first round. They needed to change that up. Take to the ground or do something, do something a little bit different. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it wasn't it wasn't affecting him. It, um, referencing Mayweather again, it was you just see Stylebender just downloading him. It was like you get Mayweather in the first couple of rounds with boxing match, and he just yep. is like, "Okay, what have you got? What's yep. your combination? What's your combination?" Yep. And then he didn't change it up. He kept going for that kick, and then and in, it was apparent he was going to keep. Exactly doing the same thing. Yeah. So he and then just, just had to adjust. Lean back and yep. just chipped him. Had yeah. to adjust to one style of fighting. He wasn't throwing takedowns. He wasn't mixing up. Wasn't making Stolbin to come to him. No. It was all one one way traffic. And I think he got that game plan from Kelvin Gastelum, who who gave um, Stolbin a tr- trouble in the last fight. Yeah. So you could look at it and go, well, that gave him trouble. That's what we'll do, but we'll do it better. Or you could look look at it and go, we just had twenty five minutes to download that style, look over the tape, and 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 make the adjustments. Yeah. And you're going to do the same thing. Yeah. So he's going to learn from the last fight. Yep. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, it, was, it wasn't a great fight from Robert Whitaker. It was a great fight from Stylebender. And how exciting. So we got, first we had an, our first Australian UFC champ, now our first Kiwi UFC champ. It's yeah. pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, it was, it was so great. Was, oh, the undercard, and it was great to watch that, but the undercard, some of those mm. fights were brutal. Yeah. They were, yeah. They were, they were rippers. Um, one of um, Shauna's sister's friends, uh, one of, yeah, one of Shauna's sister's, bridesmaids from a wedding i think her brother jamie was fighting in the undercard and he yeah, right. uh aussie guys fighting against the kiwi and they went three rounds and just belted the that shit was out the, of it i think the main event of the like the main fight of the um prelims the prelims on on yeah on free day tv yeah they just walloped each other it was a it was a good a really good fight to watch i'm not a huge ufc fan but when you you watch fights like that that they stand up. They took each other to ground a little bit. They good they mix mixed martial it up. Arts yeah, it was. And, and and that Kiwi fella, as well as the co-main event, as well as Stolbender, and there might have been one other fighter. Oh no, um, Alex Volkanovsky, who didn't fight, but he's a contender. They're all from the same gym in in New Zealand. Yeah, all, right. They're all yeah. from um, I think it's called City Kickboxing. So there's like four emerge or one champion, one title contender, one sort of top five fighter, and, and about two or three emerging. Um, Fighters coming from, from the one gym, gym in, yeah, in New right. Zealand, so yeah, it's doing pretty, something right. Pretty huge, yeah. yeah. We don't have a gym like that in Australia. We've got a bunch of good fighters. Yeah, uh, we've, we've had a champion. We've had Mark Hunt fighting over here. We've got Ty Tuivasa who fights from over here, and Pedro. Um, I can't remember his name. Pedro, someone. Uh, but they're not all the same. They're not all from the same gym. Yeah, you know, they're from a bunch of different spots around the place. It's funny that it hasn't emerged yet. It's like. Bang! This the is central Sydney is the yep. yeah is, is the mixed martial arts um, capital of, of Australia. That's not really there yet. Yeah. So see what happens over the next few years. Yeah. Yeah. See something develops. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Um, well, we already spoke about the heat and weather shot with your training since you got back. Um, oh, one thing I was going to bring up and I was going to mention on the um, like I said, it was just something I would mention on a normal weekly podcast. Was we spoke last time as I, was, as I listened back yesterday about um. um we're talking about my dog getting old. Yeah. I was hoping you'd just drop off like that quickly. Yep. Well, the old boy, the white fella that ran up and give you a big licking on bark at the beginning there. So he just got um, 
diagnosed. He's got, well, I haven't done biopsies, but he's got bloody like a big tumour on his prostate, poor old fella. Uh. He's, he's on the way out, man. He's on his last lap. Yeah. So he's been with me for 12 years. Yeah. Um, he's, he's had joint problems and stuff for a while. We've get, been getting slower, even though he doesn't show it. He loves the chest nice. ball and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah he's mad for young. it. <laughs> but yeah, he was, he was massive, had massive constipation and stuff like that he was really struggling which is what we noticed it was wrong with him he was so constipated he was throwing up so we took him to the vet and she you know felt around and told him he's got a tumor in his prostate and everything but which is sad he's gonna die yeah maybe in the next three weeks three months six months we don't know yeah and i'm not doing all the scans and the testing because i'm not gonna operate on him i'm not gonna do chemo i'm not gonna do any of that shit like yeah. if it's a prostate tumor so when it, it probably going to happen reasonably quickly which yeah. is to be best for him yeah. but we've got him on painkillers and i got him on laxatives and shit so he can he's comfortable and yeah. he's probably actually feeling better than he has in you know, a year or so because of that the um anti-inflammatory he's on yeah. so he's probably helping all of his joints and everything you know what i mean yeah so that's pretty sad man but i thought i might as well reference that since i it's weird that i mentioned it in our last yeah. in the last <laughs> podcast i hope it goes out quickly but poor old fellas he's on his last lap and yeah. I'm hoping to, we're going camping next weekend, so we'll get him away then. He loves it. Yeah. And I was hoping to stretch him out until Christmas so he gets one more trip away with us as yeah. well, but just going to depend on on him. How he's going. How he yeah. goes, man, yeah. He looked like he was really good when, when I came in. He's still got a lot of, yeah. still got a lot of intensity. Yeah, yeah, no, he, he does. And, and like I said, those painkillers are helping him a lot, but he was in a bad way, start of the week, man. Yeah. And it could be like this, he could be great and yeah. then just drop off downhill really quickly, which is sad. You yeah. know, but that's what I wanted for him. Yeah. I don't want him to deteriorate over the next year and go blind and, you know, not be able to chase the ball and then I've got this old dog that shits himself everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's not what I wanted for him. Yeah. So horrible as it is, it looks like he's gonna go reasonably quickly when it when it when, when it, it happens, turns yeah. south. Yeah. So shout out to old Casper there, mate. And he's um he's he's been there since since day dot. Um yeah, but he's he's on his last he's on his last lap around. Poor old, Poor fella. old fella. Yeah. yeah. Um I thought, yeah, like I said I'd have to throw that out in the podcast. It's something I'd normally speak about anyway. So, yeah, um, um, yeah, you would have come across this um, this issue living in Port Hedland for for a while now. Making friends in a transient town can yep. be difficult. Hey, and as difficult as in when they leave. Yeah, you know, and sometimes you invest in friendships. And that. I've just had a bloke from work who's who's been here for a few months now, and I get along really well with him. You know, great, great sort of dude, and a good chippy as well. Yeah, um, you know, and then he's his partner went away for a few weeks and she came back and they're pregnant and stuff now and she decided to pull pull the pin so that they're shooting out of town, you know, and it's like it happens in this town. It can be um it can be frustrating sometimes to invest in friendships and they just end like that. How I many yeah. don't end, you still keep in contact, but you know, what you you, you had experience with that yourself here a few yeah. times as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. It's um it's just part and parcel of living in Port Hedland. I think there's um you've we kind of describe them as Headland friends. They're friends for Mm. Um, not necessarily friends for life um, yeah. be- because it's just a part of um, living here, but they're friends for now. And, and you, yeah. you know, you will be friends, friends for the future, but yeah, people... Um, you won't be like located near each other necessarily. Yeah. No, yeah. no. Um, but yeah, people people do tend to, to blow in and out. I think for me, when I first moved here, um, I got involved in sporting clubs quite quickly. And yep. I think if you move to a... Um, a small place or a place like Port Hedland, that's a really good way to um, mm. meet people and, and obviously meet like-minded people um, if you're doing a sport that you enjoy. G'day, mate. Yeah. Cat's playing with the microphone. Yeah, yeah, he's getting himself <laughs> involved. Probably knock it out in a minute. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, we've um, both Sean and myself have had a lot of friends, you know, come for a couple of years and leave. And with the the industry that we've got here, they can be quite cutthroat with um, how they get rid of people. You know, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, generally, it doesn't. It happens quite quickly. You can, yeah. you, you know, you you can be making plans for you know, three, four, five weeks down the track and then all of a sudden someone yeah, becomes redundant and they're gone. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, that is cutthroat. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it can be, and it can be disheartening sometimes too, you know, like as having um, second time around up here, having young kids and things, it's, it's, it's more difficult to make friends because, yeah. you, you know, we'll make friends with anyone and hang out, but to get like-minded people in the same sort of stage of life is a little bit more tricky. And then when you've got people with other young kids, yeah. it's harder to get schedules to line up and things like that. So yeah. then, you, can, you know, you, you, get, you make these friends sometimes and they leave. And like I said, it's part of part of a transient town, but it's, um, yeah, it can be hard sometimes, eh? Yeah, you know? yeah, it is. And as you were saying, co- like coordinating schedules is, is quite a difficult thing in uh, most of the cities, like Monday to Friday is the main work roster where it's here. Yeah. It's, it, it's anything, all over the place. It is all over the place, days, nights, yeah you know weekends different bits and pieces and trying to coordinate that sometimes is quite difficult Shauna and I um she works four days on four days off and when I'm working when I'm working full-time the only chance we'd get to see each other was potentially the weekends Mm. and only every four weeks because she would be working um you know for four weeks at a time it'd be like she's working that weekend so yeah over the space of the year you would only have kind of a third of the year that you would have the same weekends off yeah wow yeah yeah, yeah and see that's the kind of thing as well in in jobs where you're working that kind of, uh, shift work like they do up here there's got to be big ch- um, shuffles when people get pregnant and have kids and things like that like yep. you know those schedules don't work all of a sudden when you've when you've got kids you know? it's no. kind of yeah, it's a funny old it's a lost it's a different it's just a different realm like we're off kilter to the way that the, the, the rest of towns yeah. and everything work aren't absolutely we? Yeah. We, we are um i'm quite lucky that the um, my when i am at work my um my desk job they're incredibly supportive of um you know people with young families and flexible mm. work arrangements and um being quite family focused if it fits like operational um yeah. like operational business requirements if you can make a good business justification that that so that you can be at home with your family and yeah. continue to do your job they're quite supportive of it if you know if, if it suits you um, you're yeah. in the industry that you're in I think one of the other funny things for us is because I'm on Monday to Friday occasional Saturdays and Emma's um, Tuesday to Friday so we've always got the generally got the weekends off but then lining up with other friends who do this shift work and things like that or you know have different leave sort of um, um, allocations which I don't have I'm, I'll get paid for the hours I work so then when they do organise things, well, a lot of these fishing trips or weekends away, like camping, like, they'll be like Tuesday to Thursday or they'll just go away on a Thursday, come back on a Sunday, shit yeah. like that. So it's like, oh, to get involved, I've got to pull time off yeah. off work because they're not necessarily working on the, the, the oh, we'll go away Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. It's like, oh, we'll Long go weekend. away on our break. Yeah. Yeah. Just we'll, we'll leave Monday midnight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come back Arbor Thursday shift. and I'll start work Saturday. And you're like, well, that doesn't work for me, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a funny, funny old town, man, eh? Yeah, it is. It is. Um, it builds resilience. I think it. Um, yeah. Yeah. It. Yeah. It's a. It's a. It's a funny place. You. You get exposed to things that you wouldn't just never, not normally be exposed to in um, the, the the rest of society. I suppose from that aspect. It might be a funny timing to ask you this because, like, we've, we've just spoke about you going overseas and competing and everything, and 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 um, 
the depth of the field and over there and all that kind of stuff. But on a smaller scale, I spoke to Carly Orr about this, and do you think there's <clears throat> there's something about the way the town works, or or I'm, I'm not sure. There's something about people here who who do do things tend to do them 110 percent. Like you get guys who are sort of more um, weekend warrior type, um, you know, athletes and things like that who yeah. who really smash it and go really really hard like there's a massive bodybuilding scene here like yeah. at our gym you go there at 4 4 35 in the morning it's you know there's there's 10 people in there training like you don't that doesn't happen down in in perth there seems to be something yeah. about the the lifestyle up here that send people 110 percent on on their um, hobbies and tasks yeah. See people go out fishing they, it's a mad thing that they go out all the time you know yeah. big trips that doesn't seem to happen in other no, it's the roster. It's the same. It's probably the same reason that it's you know kind of hard to make friendships and organise the social occasions. Um, gives people the uh, those work rosters gives people the time and the flexibility to be able to uh, pursue things outside of work that you, you yeah. normally wouldn't have. You know, if you're working four days on four days off, you can find something to yeah. fill your time in. Um, I know when I first came here, I was working um, sportsman's roster, which was five on f- five on five off four on five five four. However, I never understood the sportsman's roster. Yeah, it's it always a bit of a wild me. one. Um, and I started racing triathlon because I had nothing else to do. I was just a mad piece off. Yeah. Well, I was just, I was, if, I were, if I wasn't at work, I was at the pub and I yeah. needed to find something else to do. And I feel like a, a lot of other people are like that. If you, um, you've got that much free time on your hand, you'll go mad from sitting yeah. inside. So you go fishing, go to the gym, do something. Yeah, because there's not a lot of other things to do there's not a bunch of great pubs you can hit up and different restaurants you can go to the movies no. like you've got to get out and actually do something yeah. sort of physical really, yeah don't you? absolutely yeah. yeah 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 that's probably a big part of it too yeah nothing else to do go to gym yeah <laughs> that's it yeah um this is a random one above ground pools what do you reckon about them they're shit aren't they <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I, just, I don't know what made me think of it. I wrote it down the other day. I remember we had we brought one up here, like a portable up above ground pool. I set it up out there when I first got here and never never took off um, yeah. with it. It's a nice piece of lawn that you've got there instead of you. Yeah, it wasn't lawn when I first got here. It was all this entire block was red dirt when we got here. Yeah, that, right. that this hospital housing they spent a lot of money doing the yard up for us, putting the grass down, the cracker dust. I've obviously maintained it and spent a lot of time out there. Yeah. Now, but the whole thing, whatever wasn't concrete, was just red dirt and weeds when we got here. Yeah. Which is pretty shit house, and Ems was right onto them saying, "Come on, this is um, family housing. What? Yeah. Where's the, Fix where's it the up. yard sort of thing? So yeah. it was pretty good. But I had an old above ground pool there. I remember a mate of mine had an above ground pool when I was a kid, and they just what is definitely something about above ground pools they're not the same as below ground pools no. are they what, what is that <laughs> oh it's plastic sides you can't push off the side I, I don't know they're just a, that's it's a weird thing it's isn't like it? mid strength you know it's, it's not isn't quite the it? same it's not quite the same you see an above ground pool and go oh get in there but yeah yeah it's not really a fucking real pool no. is it <laughs> not at all we want them to be you want to be able to just walk up and just you drop fall off into edge. it yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fucking above ground pools. What, yeah. a, what a fucking weird thing they are, mate. Yeah. yeah. No, that was a random one. That was a bit of a random yeah, one. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah, good, yeah, though. Yeah, yeah I, I, I can appreciate that. We grew up, um, we had a um, below ground pool um, as a kid. And, um, people used to... Real pool. A real pool, yeah. And we had other friends who had above ground pools and they'd come to our place to swim in our pool. <laughs> no one would go to... They'd, they'd say, you want to come around and swim in the pool? You'd go, nah, 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 probably not. Right, you can come to mate. mine, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nah, your pool's shit, mate. Um, have you heard of Sturgill Simpson? No. So... Um, he's been on the Joe Rogan experience a couple of times. He was on there last week or the week before. Might, might have been a month ago now. Anyway, um, I listened to it last week. He's traditionally a country, sort of country artist, country western artist, like honky-tonk maybe um, artist. 
but he's really experimental. Yep. Um, he plays with a big band who are um, also really experimental and really, really eclectic music taste. And, and so they don't really make country records, yep. but that's kind of the background behind him. And he's got a new album out um, called Sound, Sound of Fury. Really, really good. Great music behind it. Really complex and depth sort of sound um, behind the band. Um, but there's also this there's this visual story component to it. So some some of the top anime producers in Japan got hold of him, which is a random hook up. He yeah. just had a friend in that in that zone in that scene. They got in contact with him, wanted to make a an anime story to yep. go with this the soundtrack. Yeah, right. So they've created it's out on Netflix, it's called Sound and Fury as well. And it's this random, really dark anime story yep. to this sort of like you know, it's more like a rock kind of album with country undertones he's got the country sort of voice to it but yeah yep. no, it's not a I want to stipulate it's not a country and western <laughs> album I don't listen to country and western it's, it's really good music it's a really good album but this this extra visual aid sort of story that goes with it yep. it's definitely worth checking out yep. if you're awake Sound at and night Fury. Sound and Fury it's on yep. Netflix yep. worth checking out um, just so weird Yeah, like the music goes with it because obviously the story's made to match the, the actual songs Yeah. Um, they didn't just pair them together after the fact. They made it to go with the, the, the album, but it's not the kind of music you would sort of expect yep. to see anime just production. Anime, yeah. Yeah, 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 so right. really, really cool, something really different and, and worth a, a look, yep. I think. Yeah. Ripper, I'll, I'll get into it. And um, you're, you you like punk? You, yeah. you spoke about last yeah. time. I don't know if you like um, e- e- sort of the emo punk scene or what kind of punk you were into. We didn't really go into bands so much, but did you listen to the new Blink album? No. no, not a big no. fan. Oh, no, nah, not really. Yeah. Um, I haven't probably the early. I listened to a lot of their earlier stuff um, yeah. throughout yeah. high school, but but not um, no none of their none of their stuff recently. I've uh, I've been listening to a lot of Tool. Tools. Um, the new album. That's yeah, great. New yeah. albums. New albums. Brilliant. And um, all and this. then they released it all on Spotify. Yeah, um, all so. on streaming services. Yeah, yeah which is great. Yeah, yeah I did the same actually. Had a yeah. bit of a dip into the old Tool Tool catalog. Yeah. Um, what kind of punk into then? Um, I listen to um, At the Drive In, Rise Against, mm-hmm. um, No Effects. Yeah. yeah, 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 righto. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, Pennywise, Friends of Rome, No Effects. Yeah, um, yeah, a bit of like sort of Bad Religion, Rancid, Bad Religion, Dead yeah. Kennedys, all yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I did do some of the like the. I had two when we were skating. I had skater mates as well, so there yeah. was like Melon Column, Blink One Eight Two, yeah. like yeah. you know that kind of more of the the pop punk type yeah sort of, not the latest stuff but in the 90s pop punk wasn't as shit yeah. as it is now <laughs> so, but blink has still got a little spot I, I think i've spoken on my podcast before that enema of the state was a seminal yeah. album for me it was that time of yeah. my life you know i was yeah. 17 you know so it was all the all the songs are about you know girls girls yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah hanging out with your mates but the new album um Obviously, only two of the two of the members now. Um, it's um, uh, Mark and and the drummer um, Travis uh, Barker. Travis Barker, yeah. new uh, the, and a new singer, but really good, pretty good album. Man, yeah. it's got a good feel to it, nice and fast, and uh, it's got more musical depth to it. These other guys are really good guitarists and heaps yeah. of harmonies and shit like that in it. But if you're not into that kind of emo sort of punk, work, I'll have to have a listen. I, uh, yeah, I haven't actually heard the. Haven't heard the new album, so I shouldn't really comment on it. But I'll I'll definitely give it a listen if you. But yeah, I was impressed this far this far down the track and with the new a new singer and stuff like that. Not and not bad. Some really good catchy sort of um yeah tracks on there. You know, yeah. like good harmonies and stuff like that. But yeah. yeah, sweet man. That's all I got. Anything Too else you wanted to add? 
Um, no, mate. Thank just thank you for your time. No, um, no, it's too easy, mate. Like I said, any time you want to come on, hit us up, and we've done bloody an hour and thirty eight minutes. Now, yeah, it's so, a decent, yeah. it's a decent session. Can I just have a quick shout out to um, my sponsors? Yeah, yeah, do it definitely. Uh, yeah, just a the the European trip especially wouldn't have been um, like wouldn't have been possible without the support of my sponsors and local sponsors specifically Headland Bus Lines and Life and Soul Jim uh, they a huge part of uh, me being able to to do what I do so yeah. thank you to those guys too easy no yeah. worries shout out to Headline Headland Bus Lines and 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 Life, Life and Soul, Soul. awesome yeah. too easy well thanks again for coming on man thanks mate appreciate, appreciate your time. time yeah cheers All right. take it easy. <laughs>